This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie. And I am also really excited for this episode and have been really excited to record it. Yes, we kind of previewed it last week that we're talking about Don't Worry, Darling. We have been planning on this episode Mm -hmm. for so long now, since like November, I think. I think so. We talked about recording it when all like the drama, you know, was going on and it was all Mm -hmm. on TikTok, all like, what is the behind the scenes drama of Don't Worry Darling when like the premiere (laughs) happened and all of that. Sorry to disappoint, but this episode will not be about that. But the connection that Don't Worry Darling has to the Stepford Wives Mm -hmm. and the themes that are very, very similar between both movies and also the book. So we, yeah. I personally watched three movies and then read the original Stepford Wives in preparation for this episode. So I'm so Same. excited to talk about them all. Yes. And I watched like a million YouTube videos and I even read oh, yeah. part of the original Don't Worry Darling script. Wow. I, yeah. That's cool. So we did a lot of reading and prep for this. Yeah. Like Sadie said, if you want to hear about the drama, podcasts were covering it everywhere a couple months ago. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, we don't have any of that, but <laughs> but we have a lot more about the plot of the movie itself. And mm-hmm. hopefully by now everyone's seen it. So we won't be ruining any endings. Oh, yeah. But I guess spoiler <laughs> alert that we will be yes. discussing the ending. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, at this point, like you mentioned, you had several chances to see it. Yeah, it's still streaming but. on HBO Max. So mm-hmm. if you want to pause this and go watch the movie really quick, I totally understand. And then come back for our discussion. Yes. We also will be ruining the ending of the Stepford Wives book, <laughs> movie from 1971 and the one in 2004. So, But again, if you haven't seen it yet. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> those are old. Sometimes I'm like, do we even need to say spoiler alerts for stuff that came out so long ago? No, it's like, you don't. <laughs> 1971. We're going to ruin the ending. Surprise. <laughs> but like, if you have haven't seen it by now I don't think you care that much so (laughs) I mean I hadn't seen it I went into it knowing what the ending was it honestly didn't change that much for me I think it's still really good so yeah it was really good how about before we dive into the discussion part of it all I know that the writers of Don't Worry Darling say that it wasn't a knockoff of Stepford Wives besides that point out of the four the book and then the three different movies what is your personal favorite or which one? Ooh, honestly, the original movie. Oh. Yeah, from 1975. I mean, it was good. It was missing kind of some of that like really beautiful imagery I that agree. the other ones had. But like, I feel like it actually got the point of everything and like how close it stuck to the book, but it like cut out some of the more boring points of the book that mm-hmm. were a little monotonous. I feel like that one and the ending 
it like really cinched the whole message that I was trying to send for me in a way that I feel like the other two didn't. That's fair. Though I do like that the 2004 one ended happy. True. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that one definitely has a much more lighthearted and almost like a camp yeah you know we'll style talk about it. that maybe whether or not that was a good idea for them to I mean personally I the movie was so much funnier than I thought it was gonna be mm-hmm. I thought but yeah I, I enjoyed the original one also did you like don't worry darling we haven't really talked about this because obviously we've been waiting for the podcast yeah I like kind of did I towards the end I was like really bored really yeah, like once it got to the chase scene, I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. See, my gripe with Don't Worry Darling is I thought the like the setup and the middle of it was like all over the place. True. And I feel like the way they told the story was just like, or started the story. I don't know. Like it went from everything being fine and dandy to like all of a sudden Florence Pugh was horrified by everything and I like didn't really know. There wasn't like a really good trigger for exactly. it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe we should talk about this when we talk about the movie. True, true, true. Yeah. You're right. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but which and, one did you like the most? Um, I don't know, actually. I agree that I liked the 1975 or 71 version. I liked that it stuck so true to the book. I actually, And I really enjoyed the book. It was such a I good, quick too. read. Yeah. And I, it was really good. <laughs> I think I liked the 2004 one just because <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> That's fair. It, it has like a certain charm in just how utterly absurd it is yeah exactly so that's fair yeah. that's the reason why i think i liked it what a bizarre movie but like yeah. i was thoroughly entertained the whole time so cool, cool. well moving on to the discussion yes. portion of it i found this article called just from the economist called the stepford wives depicted the backlash against second wave feminism and to kind of set the scene as far as like obviously when this book was written i just wanted mm-hmm. to read this first two paragraphs that I think just nicely set the scene as to what was going on in America at the time. If you don't mind, I'll take yeah, it away. Go for it. So it says, in the early 1970s, the feminist movement in America was organized and effective. As the head of a new women's rights project at the American Civil Liberties Union, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was taking sex discrimination cases to the Supreme Court and winning an amendment to the Constitution guaranteeing that equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged on account of sex was approved by the Senate. Roe v. Wade conferred the right to abortion, women had been galvanized in part by Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique, a landmark book of 1963 which chronicled an epidemic of ennui among housewives. Some had decided that domesticity was oppressive, that there was more to life than preparing sandwiches and endless rounds of laundry, and campaigned for economic and sexual freedom. Conservative Americans, meanwhile, decreed that they saw as the destruction of the social fabric. And then the Stepford Wives, Ira Levin, sharp feminist horror novel of 1972 dramatized this culture war so there is feminism in that (laughs) age and also a shout out to one of our episodes that i just remembered last march for women's history month we did an episode all about the different waves of feminism just kind of going a brief overview good old history lesson on all of them so yeah that'll come into play a lot actually as we talk about this because we're Mm -hmm. covering such a wide time period from like 1970s to now yeah like women's history and like feminist history definitely like comes into play so if you want an overview of that we did one for you wow we're so cool (laughs) wow are we just a great resource or something uh ira levin actually originally thought by both of us to be a woman (laughs) i after we went to barnes and noble together to think of the book i turned 
Jordan and I was like because I texted you like wait so it was actually a man I was Mm -hmm. like is is Ira a boy's name a man's name like I just assumed Ira was a woman's name but no 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 it's a man so it's man but he of course was dealing with this culture stuff happening all around him it was unavoidable and he was actually also going through a divorce at Mm. the time which if anything will make you question gender roles i'm sure it would be a divorce so he kind of just talked about what men's desires were or like the interpretation of them and like how that would affect women and I think it definitely like does a really good job of that of kind of ex- it it's so funny to me to imagine this being written by a man because I feel like it like really capitalizes on the things that women are like forced to feel about themselves mm-hmm from like the beginning. I mean, he did a good job at it, to be honest. He did a great job. So the Stepford Wives is basically about this tiny little town in Connecticut called Stepford. The men are all successful. They're all these businessmen. They specialize in all these different fields, including voice identification, art, and animatronics specifically for Disney. Mm-hmm. I also think it's kind of funny. The book actually mentions the like story of Mr. Lincoln that yeah. like got pushed out into the parks that year and the animatronics behind that. Have you ever gone and seen that when you went to Disneyland? I don't think so, actually. We did it once. Obviously, by like today's standards, it's nothing really crazy. You, mm-hmm. you can tell it's a robot. But it is like still really cool. They got his voice and everything like really down and they have mm. him tell his story. It's just in a little house on Main Street. So if anyone lives near there, go check it out because that's yeah. mentioned in the book. <laughs> so all these men are like very successful in their fields. The wives are all beautiful, soft-spoken women who enjoy housework and making their men happy. Everything is peaceful. Social engagements involve lots of barbecues and small talk. And there's only one catch. (laughs) This is where the spoiler comes in. The women have all been killed and replaced by submissive robots that mimic their appearance and speech. And the wives don't act like their original selves. They act like the idealized version of themselves, how their husband would want them to to be i just love this quote that said the book is really about men's desire or levin's interpretation of them that they would be willing to sacrifice their wife's very identity her being to make her a mindless barbie that did what they pleased the men in this book are truly horrifying beings but even more frightening is that this is doubt shared by all women across the globe from a young age we are taught to doubt ourselves our physical appearance our mind our talent the love of others i know women with genius iqs who act like idiots because that is what men want from them though there is no overnight drug that can do this to a woman there is the lifelong barrage of the media and society which does a pretty good job in of itself yeah which like we said i think that he hit the theme pretty well and he did a pretty accurate depiction of it i think in my opinion definitely and I feel like that i'm now just like so interested in the genre of feminist literature written by men and i wonder right? how many more there are of them <laughs> i actually did like a search mm-hmm. and like found a couple because i was very intrigued yeah. by this whole concept because <laughs> Obviously, when researching our podcast, most of feminist literature and rhetoric has been by women Mm -hmm. from the beginning of time. So it was kind of cool to see a man writing such a massively and like widely successful (laughs) story. Yeah. Also, it's like really, really reflective of the feminine mystique, in my opinion. If any of you have read that, I highly recommend it. We'll be doing it 
for a later episode, we'll be talking about it because that book is incredible. And it's a pretty foundational feminist book, I dare say. Yes. But one of the key things that it talks about and that this book also covers is how suburban living like really transformed women into robots like women were popping tranquilizers yeah like every time they felt depressed their doctor just prescribed prescribed them another tranquilizer Uh so they were like taking valium like candy they called it suburban neuroses it was happening both in the united states and apparently also in australia which is crazy so like women were being forced to do all this domestic labor that doesn't take up as much time as you have in a day really especially Mm -hmm. if all of your kids are in school the book talks about it basically you feel the time you have so yeah just like they were being forced to be nothing other than baby makers and maids and Mm -hmm. cooks pretty much which is a lot of work but they were like college educated women who were forced into these roles with no other alternative based on what society wanted them to do. I thought it was interesting in the book too, where it did actually have a scene with her going to a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and the psychiatrist just being like, oh, we'll talk about it more, but take a tranquilizer, go get the prescription. And then it's like that night that she gets taken away, I guess, or it's alluded to that she's taken away. It's actually never like specifically confirmed, I guess, or what, not exactly what happens, but is also the night that she takes the drugs for the first time. And so I think that's like an interesting mirroring of maybe what's what was happening to housewives and then what happened to her. You know, I just think that's such an yeah. interesting parallel. Wait, that, you know what happened, right? Well, yeah, I know she like <laughs> died. She and breaks into a- the house. She gets confronted by her robot self and the robot strangles her with nylons. Well, yeah, but that doesn't happen in the book. Oh, that's Fair. what I meant. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what do you mean? It's like right there. No, 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 no. The movie's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. The movie is horrifying in that way. The book gets a little more ambiguous. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I was you're like, like, what are you wait. talking about? It's like the, the creepiest yeah. scene of all of the movies that we it's watched. <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a horror movie. That's for sure. A very like subtle horror movie. But- oh, yeah. A little bit more psychological horror, horror, but that last scene knocks it out of the park. (laughs) I feel like that's a really good thing that talks about it throughout the book is just this thirst for more, like even Joanna. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that the book makes her like an aspiring photographer who's like doing it semi-professionally. Yeah. Because it shows like women, they all have like hopes and desires and things that they want for themselves. She wasn't like this overly like crazy career woman, like Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought of feminists. You know, like she wasn't insane. She was just like a regular mom with her two kids who like taking photos, wanted to sell them, wanted to like make a name for herself, have something that belonged to her. And that's what her husband chose to destroy. And yeah, that's something that I thought was so interesting about the book, because the first version of this that I had watched was the 2004 movie where like the woman is doing something wrong and all the women are doing something wrong where they are devoting so much time to their careers that like their home life is being disrupted and you know Mm -hmm. they're not maybe as great of mothers but like what was this woman doing wrong you know like Joanna wasn't really doing anything wrong like sure the house maybe wasn't in the most pristine condition sure she wasn't like an amazing cook but it's not like she was even a bad mom by any stretches of the imagination and even like her and her husband's relationship it's not like they weren't being intimate with one another exactly Mm -hmm. they weren't so there wasn't like 
a very prominent problem that it would make her husband want to do this. Yeah, that's what I thought was so interesting and sad. I mean, it makes it, I think, even more damning because it's not like that she was a horrible person and he was like, maybe this will fix her and help her. No, she was just a a person, to be honest, who was flawed because duh. It sucks. And even her friends, like the two other women that she sees change throughout the course of the book and the movie, the original movie in the book, are very tied together in my opinion because yes. they're so close. But she has one friend, Charmaine, and really like her only thing is what they hired a maid and she liked to play tennis. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, and that was her crime. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else was perfectly fine. Like she was pretty well kept. It sounded like her and her husband had a good relationship as well like a good enough relationship yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but she just wanted a tennis court outside of her house and she didn't like cleaning so they hired a maid and they were like ridiculously wealthy so it's not like it was as yeah it wasn't a burden to them financially for them to have a maid and then once she changes into a robot they rip up the tennis court and she fires the maid that was the only change and then the other friend the only thing was is that she wore makeup and cleaned the house more often but like didn't have her fun spunky attitude either like just yeah devoid of personality yeah i feel like the movie did a really good job of depicting the personalities of the women or like Mm -hmm. the lack thereof like they just stare vacantly off into space and they're like i didn't cook anything today i had to wax the floors from floor to seat like yeah every uh floor of the house on my hands and knees And so I didn't cook anything and I feel like such a failure. Okay, (laughs) I've never waxed my floors. (laughs) Same. Something that I thought was interesting, though, is that the initial reaction to the movie wasn't necessarily good. Apparently, they showed it. They did a filming to like a feminist group and it was not favorable. One studio screening for a feminist activist being met with hisses, groans and guffaws, (laughs) which I thought was so interesting. But the cast and crew disagreed with the perceived anti-woman interpretations, with Newman recalling, if anything, it's anti-men. And then despite Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique being a major influence on the original novel that obviously the film was based on, Friedan's response to the film was highly critical, calling it a ripoff of the women's movement. Friedan's commented that women should boycott the film and attempt to diminish any publicity for it. But then there was a writer, Gail Green, who lauded the film and said, I loved it. Those men were like a lot of men I've known in my life. Feminist screenwriter Eleanor Perry came to the film's defense, stating that it presses buttons that make you furious. The fact that all the Stepford men wanted were big breasts, big bottoms, a clean house, and fresh perked coffee and sex. Literally. (laughs) So I thought that was just interesting, though, to read about the initial reaction about it, that it wasn't actually a favorable one among, like, the big feminists of the day. It is a horror movie. Yes. So I kind of get where they were, like, probably horrified (laughs) but if anything i feel like it ages really well i think so like i don't think you could watch it now and be like that's not feminist at all there were no feminist undertones (laughs) yeah i mean they're obviously making a point that this is like a bad thing i think Mm -hmm. i would have maybe wished that like it would have gone a little bit further into it of almost like almost damning the men more you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Because, like, I don't know, like, you don't really see Walter after it all happens. Yeah, you're right. No, they kind of focus it on the one guy who's, like, the head of the men's society, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I almost wondered if that was to kind of show, like, how society can change people. Because in the mm-hmm. beginning, she does mention that, like, her husband also believes in women's rights and the yeah. women's movement. And he, like, joins the men's association 
in the beginning under the premise that like he's gonna help it change yeah true. they both agree that it's like a sexist group to mm-hmm. not include women but then like as the story progresses he almost like lashes out on her more and more and more yeah so, so i don't know i wondered if maybe that was kind of what they were trying to do something that i was reading like a response against the book was that so at the end of the book there's not really like a moment where like in the movie she's like met with a robot version of herself Mm -hmm. she's just like standing in the kitchen with her friend bobby who is at this point a robot and a bunch of men and they pretty much are like well if she if she cuts herself and she bleeds will you believe that she's not a robot oh yeah that's how the book ends Mm -hmm. and in her mind she's almost like fully invalidating herself the entire time of being like this is crazy i'm crazy i'm you know which I don't even actually know if it's like a res- uh, bad thing per se. I think it's actually like a pretty accurate depiction where like even when the woman is completely and totally right until the very, very end when she notices that like Bobby has a f- very sharp, scary knife and is like, wait, she doesn't need to have that big of a knife to do this. Like this is all crazy. But she's still second guessing herself of being like, no, yeah. no, this is madness. This is crazy. This is bad, bad, bad. Like I must be crazy. But then she wasn't. So yeah. I thought that was such an Bobby interesting thing that even to the very her. end. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> implied. <laughs> no, true. I also thought it was really interesting how like, he made all of the women in the book and the movie like feminists like yes Uh they talked about i don't know if it was the movie or the book that did it probably both but there was like a lady they're talking about how like a black family is moving to town and Mm -hmm. that that's very fitting and they're like oh why is that fitting they're like oh because stepford is the most liberal town in this area oh yeah and they're like what do you mean by that like obviously bobby and joanna are horrified they're like stepford connecticut (laughs) no way yeah and they're like yeah well we had the first women's group and so they go to the library and look up and they actually like all of the women who live there had like a women's group where they invited betty frieden and actually had like a feminist mystique reading when it came out Mm -hmm. and it was like a women's liberation movement group and then slowly, one by one, they all started quitting and turning into regular, well, not regular. I don't think anything about them was regular. Yeah. Turning into the perfect like Barbie housewife. And eventually it felt part because they didn't have any members. Exactly. I keep like wanting to talk about like the themes of the book, but like I keep wanting to skip steps and like talk about how they all tie together. So I'm oh, going to yeah. save that till then. the end. <laughs> We'll go on to the 2004 movie, I think, and then we can tie this all together. (laughs) Okay, before we move into 2004, I kind of wanted to give a little bit of like kind of the same thing we did for the last one. We talked about a little bit of what was happening in history around the time that that movie came out. So it's pretty well established that there was like a reverse feminist movement in the early 2000s. Yeah. It was this idea that like women already had it all because of the 1980s and 1990s, like women joining the workforce and kind of leaving behind behind like the 1950s model Mm -hmm. and so it led into this idea of post-feminism and instead it just meant that like sexism ran rampant throughout the early 2000s and if you look back at like news headlines advertisements everything like it is awful like it is so horrible Mm -hmm. and I remember because we grew up because that (laughs) was my very young impressionable years (laughs) a ton of stuff just focusing on post-feminism like feminism's already happened Mm -hmm. um and that was everywhere there was also the notion that feminism was a very dirty word yeah um 
that's something we were very familiar with. There's clips of practically every single female celebrity saying that they're not a feminist, from Kim Kardashian to Lady Gaga, millions of others who now proudly state themselves as feminist. Mm-hmm. They were all saying, oh, I'm not feminist. I don't hate men. I love men over it and was, over again. It was like the dirtiest thing you could call yourself, it seems. Yes. They were like, oh, feminists hate men. And they're lesbians and they're non-feminine and as if like any of those are like bad things to be in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Like crazy. Also, women were just attacked viciously by the media. You can look back at how I had a bunch of examples. Monica Lewinsky was treated. Yeah, Britney Spears. That was like obviously the 1990s, but it continued throughout the rest of the decade with Britney Spears, Amanda Bynes, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Janet Jackson, and oh, Nicole yeah. Smith. They were like punished. They would belittle them. It was like a lucrative business to like make fun of women. And so they were making money off of it. It was completely normal humor. And there was also a bunch of men coming out talking about how like feminism made women weak. Mm. (laughs) There was these two quotes from an article that was written around that time that said, feminism has created what is undoubtedly the weakest generation of women in American history. My grandmother who never heard the word feminist and who never graduated from high school was incomparably stronger than almost any college educated feminist I've ever personally encountered or the many I have read and listened to. You want to know what women are strong? Here's an example. Any young woman who announced in a college class that she may want a career, but she's more interested in finding a good man to marry. In other words, any young woman who announced that she isn't a feminist. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just like completely missed the point I'm of what really... even is. It's fine. I'm not fine. I hate No, him. I'm like, that was the climate we grew up in. Yeah, it really was. (laughs) And it's scary because it was like being told that your rights were already fought for and like you already had them all. But then like seeing people like Britney and Paris attacked viciously for everything that they did when men got off free for everything. It's yeah. I mean, it's so crazy to look back on like the media storms of first off, like the 2000s, but even like the early 2010s and just be like, oh, my gosh, we were horrible. Ah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like we were gaslighting all of America's women by being like, oh, but you won. Let us attack you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is freedom. But also like, no, we're still not holding men accountable. What are you talking about? Yeah. So that was kind of like, this was the peak of everything that was happening when the 2004 Stepford Wives movie came out. Mm -hmm. And it makes that movie make a lot more sense. (laughs) I think so. To, I guess, then point out the key differences of the 2004 version of the movie is that the movie starts out with Joanna being this huge TV executive who has successfully run this company who the company ends up being sued for something that happened and then well something major happened like someone like came in with a gun right she produced a show that's the same premise as Netflix's new show The Ultimatum Oh, basically, like yeah, you go on and try nervous. having a relationship with someone else, and then yeah. like, and then decide at the end if you want to stay with your spouse. Uh-huh. So this guy and his wife go on, and she leaves him for five new guys, and like before he goes and kills his wife and all of the guys, and then tries to shoot Joanna at the announcement of the show. So murder. <laughs> that, yeah. How fun. 
<laughs> it, I mean, like somehow it was just so ridiculous that I was like, what is happening? But yes, so that's how the movie starts. After she gets fired as being this TV executive, they're like, okay, let's settle down to this nice, quiet life in Stepford. And all the same shenanigans pretty much end up happening where she's like, the women are crazy here, but she meets her friend Bobby. And thankfully, it's like one of the other normal ones who's like also a pretty high achieving woman who is striving after things. But then in the end, I did like it at least that Walter ended up not being a villain because she goes to the men association home and is like cornered by all the men. And she pretty much like, has like a monologue moment where she's like don't you want to be married to like real women like these aren't real women these are robots true but then walter ends up not transforming her and then they have this grand scheme of saving all the women at the end only to find out that the wife of the men association was the one behind it the whole time and that the man was actually a robot controlled by her and that was kind of a wow what a twist but i yeah. like i said i at least like this version of it because i'm i didn't want her to die and become a robot i didn't want all these women to be dead and so True. these women weren't killed they were just had like microchips implanted in their brain that they were able to like turn off so yes which i feel like also shows the change of technology where they're like yes where we can imagine <laughs> that <laughs> there were like a few things that really bothered me about this one like cool. you're right a lot of it was funnier. I kind of, in both the, I think it was in the original movie and in this one too, they kind of, her and her friends walk in on a couple like having sex. Having sex yes. And they just like hear them. They don't see anything. But in both of them, they both kind of question like, wow, she was like really like into it. Uh -huh. And like her husband's not that hot. <laughs> so what's the deal yeah <laughs> and i thought this one made it really like, really funny because they make the wife like a super super gorgeous and then the husband is like really like dumpy looking <laughs> yeah not super super gorgeous yeah. to match whereas like in the original one he was just you know average like an average guy so i thought it yeah. kind of made it funnier that they were like him like uh -huh. that's what she was talking about but i don't know there were some things that i was just like what the heck one of the things that annoyed me is that like all of the female characters were like ultra feminist mm -hmm. before they went so they were like all top women at top companies and everything and i felt like that kind of lost the original premise of the book that like the women didn't have to be like career hungry in order yeah. for the men to want to control them it was happening to everyone not mm -hmm. just like i don't know and then also like it kind of gave this lesson at the end that's like be nice to your husband and he won't want to kill you <laughs> you know what i mean yeah okay where <laughs> it's like we solved it like as long as you're nice to him everything will be fine that's, yeah that's kind of fair yeah but i think it also did i mean the main thing was like wouldn't you rather be married to a person with all their flaws rather than literally a robot Again, I I mean, the men keep getting off way too easy. In all of them. <laughs> In all of them. This one, what? They got like manual labor? Yeah. What? Imprisonment immediately for the rest of your life. Why are no. they even still married to those men anyways? Yeah. And the part, like, one of the things I kind of liked about the original film in comparison to this one is that like, yeah, there isn't a happy ending. So it's kind of haunting in the way that like, it'll just keep happening. Yeah. But like, honestly, it's kind of a realistic ending. It's like, just keeps happening. You know, like yeah. men are never held accountable for what they're doing. And like, 
it just continues. The cycle doesn't end. And that's something that definitely doesn't happen in this one. So I feel like the lesson's lost a little bit because, yeah, like the men, what, like mop floors and then the women still stay their wives and the end. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> like Minimum consequences. Right, you're not worried about the fact that your husband was basically completely took control over you like that's imprisonment like personally what no he would never be seeing my children again or me custody or me exactly you You put a microchip in my brain and controlled me for who knows how long like what because you could handle that the house was a little bit messier yeah and then i didn't have perfect boobs yeah so that was just kind of interesting also like they added a gay character yeah. Which is kind of weird because then they were like, see, even in gay couples, there can be a feminine one. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, because the whole thing that the guy was like, he didn't like that he was like the stereotypes of a gay man. Yeah. Because he, he was like, like a, a Republican. Masculine. Which like, I was like, what? okay, my other thing this whole time is it's like with the 2004 one, I was just like, get a divorce. With all of these couples, like if you hate your wife so much that you are implanting something into her brain, get a divorce. But also, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of people talking about this on TikTok lately, that it's just like men don't like women. So it's almost like, why would they get a divorce? Because they just hate women anyways. Mm. And like the idea that they like would love and cherish their spouse is just like not even real that they would like love a real woman you know what I mean that's depressing yeah I don't know I like saw this like (laughs) someone talking about it that it's like it's considered almost it's like gay to love your wife because to do like the stereotypical feminine things and it's almost like you're more of a man if you hate your wife because like it's so stereotypical for men to hate their wives like men just don't like women they just like men do you know what I mean though like yeah no I completely get what you mean that's why I'm sitting here going great how am I ever gonna get married (laughs) no I mean you'll do it I I I have faith in one man I mean I found a man that doesn't suck I think Jordan likes me so (laughs) I think Jordan likes women in general I think he does but I think I mean I think back to like the people that we hung out with in high school a lot you know of just they like hated they hated women they thought women were so boring and everything yeah. that they did was just for like the men around them like almost like even them pursuing women was almost just for the validation of the men around them definitely that's yeah, all it that ever was 100 what it was mm-hmm. yeah and i think that at least the 2004 version i think kind of like showed that maybe of like because like I said the whole time I'm like just divorce your partner and find a different one if you hate them so much that you're gonna perform a science experiment on them without their consent like this is a crime a complete crime anyways Um, it bombed at the box office yes it did (laughs) (laughs) which is fair it's not a I, it's funny, but it, it's not like a great movie. Like, I'm not going to be like, like I said, it's camp. <laughs> yeah. It's good because it's insane. Yeah. Some of the weird things about it that like this article called out is that even though they're controlled by implanted microchips, mm-hmm. it also somehow like makes them really strong, gives them like flame retardant abilities. <laughs> and then also like let one of the ladies like deposit cash out of her mouth. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense if they're still human, but just a microchip in their brain. It doesn't, not th- it, no, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. She's also like confronted by the robot version of herself, kind of like in the original one. 
Oh, yeah. Um, but why? If it's just a microchip, why did they build a whole robot of her? I Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Plus, if they're keeping their bodies, then, like, how does her hair suddenly get, like... Like, there's definitely some serious plastic surgery going on. Yeah, something I wish they kind of would have talked about that more, that they're, like, putting them under plastic surgery and then, like, uh-huh. putting in... They just are vaguely, like, they'll get some enhancements, but... How? Yeah, I don't... <laughs> nothing in that is clear. Yeah, and then also kind of having a woman behind it the whole time felt a little bit like a cop-out to me where it's like, see, it's yes. a women's problem. And this is what women really want deep down kind of a thing. Yeah. So those were a few things that I was just like, really? <laughs> there were parts of it that were funny. I genuinely laughed out loud at quite Me a few too. parts of it. So. <laughs> and it had a really great cast, honestly. They could have done more. And that's the sad part. They had a mm-hmm. star-studded cast of people. It's like the new thing. It's like whenever something's bad, you just call it camp and suddenly it's good. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. For my spotlight today, I have found a quilter. Her name is Brittany, but the Instagram username is Lo and Behold Stitchery. And what I love about her account, first off, all of the designs and the quilting is beautiful. I can not quilt but i've never tried so you know what i should not say that practicing not being so mean to myself and saying i can't do things i could do it if i want to do yeah anyways but she has quilt patterns tutorials and inspiration like free beginner starter guides and all of that so i think that's like super cool that like obviously she's an amazing artist but also devotes a lot of her time to teaching others as well um she shared this quilt that she made at christmas that was like ornament quilts or it was like a quilt but like with pretty ornaments on them like circles with little gold tops i loved it it's like the retro ornament quilt and there's a pattern for it wow so you could also make that if you wanted to yeah i think it's so cute yeah that's adorable yeah these quilts are so cute so lately i've been like really obsessed with like like grandma decor i guess you describe it okay (laughs) like i have like these really kind of like ugly but like not ugly floral chairs that you could like (gasps) totally imagine in like a grandmother's house and i like i've been wanting to get like they have these blankets called like granny square blankets and i've been like more obsessed with like quilts and everything lately and like lace and stuff i'm just like really leaning into like my feminine side do it (laughs) This is like top notch, exactly what I'm into right now. I'm like, yes, amazing. Quilts. All of the quilts. Why don't we have more quilts? <laughs> Why don't we have more quilts? Also, she's been showing puff quilts, what I I've never really seen before, really, but they look so cozy. I want to make a puff quilt. Um, Can't be that hard, right? You're making a bunch of little balls of fluff and then sewing them together. <laughs> I mean, like I say that, but like, oh, <laughs> I am not predisposed to knowing how to do stuff like this i guess and i'm gonna shout out a previous episode that we've done it's actually our most listened to um, true weaving women where we talk a lot about i guess just the history of this type of arts and crafts but then also about how this type of art is seen as low art and not respected as much as it should so go check out that episode it's like one of my favorite we've done and like obviously like i said it's literally our most listened to episode so mm-hmm. shouting that out and again that's low and behold stitching Stitchery. yeah so cool 
I kind of wish she sold the quilts themselves. That's what I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> I don't have a sewing machine, but I would buy a quilt. <laughs> it looks so nice. It does. Okay, I'm going to shout out a YouTuber. Um, I actually kind of referenced one of her videos Ooh. later on. She did this whole thing about body trends are exhausting and talks about the buckle fat removal and everything that we get into. Um, and her name is Tiffany Ferguson. She's on Instagram as tferg underscore, um, but she does a thing called internet analysis on her YouTube channel, and she basically just talks about different trends that are happening on the internet and, like, dives into them. It's basically a video essay. I love it. I love video essays. It's one of my favorite things about YouTube.com. Um, she also talked about, like, the commodification of fall. Um, she did a whole thing on, like, mobile games. She talked about, like how laziness doesn't actually exist because time that you're not doing something is actually just relaxation um messages that i need to hear more of Excellent. yeah like renting wedding industry target like everything like i i literally love her stuff so highly highly recommend i think she has such great takes on everything she really like researches the crap out of this stuff in order to like give really good video essays on it so amazing that is so funny i just got recommended a video called tiktok is bad for women and it talks about the tiktok standard of beauty we talk about that later in the episode man shout out to my insecurities my phone is actually listening to me all right now back to the show now we're on to don't worry darling yes so do you want to give us the premise of Don't Worry Darling? Yeah. I mean, it's very, very similar, except there's no like robots or anything like that. But it is like an AI simulation where they are basically like put under medically and their mind is like put into this town. It's, it's very insane. So in this version of it, men trap their wives in Victoria, which is like a strange desert town created by Frank, who's played by Chris Pine, who is kind of like a cult like figure olivia wilde said that the model for his character was actually jordan peterson i don't know if you're very familiar with him but he's kind of like a academic author and he appeals to men to be honest i feel like andrew tate well actually no andrew tate's definitely more stupid than the jordan peterson's vibe i think gives off that makes sense yeah andrew tate i feel like has been very vocal but yeah he's an idiot he's just (laughs) vulgar and stupid Mm -hmm. whatever But he has said, for the record, Mr. Peterson has stated that he is not an anti-feminist, though he has also said that reading The Feminine Mystique might drive a modern person mad. Okay. Although I think Andrew Tate has also said that he is not anti-feminist. And it's like, Mm. you literally describe how women should never drive cars. I mean, I I feel like a lot of men will be like, no, I'm not anti-feminist and then still say sexist things. But like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Um, But the women in Victoria spend their time and their days drinking martinis and vacuuming while their husbands go off to work. But they're asked not to question how their spouses make a living. And they're kind of like, oh, we're just serving towards this big, better, great purpose. And the idea is that these men think society has evolved too much much and men aren't happy with the fact that women are no longer concerned with being the perfect wife in the real world alice was once a doctor who was played by florence Pugh, and jack was actually an american fun fact not a brit who he plays in the um in the simulation um, i'm sorry but i like jobs. i read a thing that talked about how like they couldn't get harry styles to do a good american accent so they're so just they'd... like he's british yeah they made him like british in the simulation so he could just talk in a british accent and then i found out 
that Florence Pugh is British. Yeah, uh huh. And she had a flawless American accent throughout the entire film. Yeah. Um, oh. One thing I will say about Harry Styles is um, I thought he did fine. I thought he was a good enough actor. Like, people were trashing him, but. Yeah, I didn't have any, like, real problems with his acting. I kind no. of felt a little bit weird about, like, his casting. Oh, yes. I kind of get what they were going for. Like, the whole, like, Ted Bundy, like, he's so attractive, and yet, like, he chose this. But also, like, I don't feel like you can hate Harry Styles enough for this character to really, like, work how oh. it should But maybe that's the point. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, he unlawfully, unwillingly put her in an AI simulation against her will. And, oh, like, yeah, it's horrible. And yet, like, I feel like towards the end, you end up feeling like you're supposed to be more mad at Chris Pine than him. Uh-huh. And That's that was true. weird to me. That it's like, just because the opportunity to do something is there doesn't mean that the choice isn't yours. That's fair. To go on, I guess, with what the plot was. So men take their wives, most of them, well, most of them against their will. There was a couple of characters who actually were there willfully, um, but they place them in virtual reality. And then when they leave for work and victory, they actually exit the simulation to work in the real world. But men are also responsible for the physical upkeep of their spouses in real life who remain catatonic as they never leave the simulation and they I are not aware of it. I was about this whole thing too. Listen, there was a couple weird things with the plot. Um, it was not a flawless movie. Also, no. I just remembered the fact that like the Chris Pine character's wife like stabs him at the end, and then that's just like never brought up. I so know. it's I was like, say that, I was confused. I was was like, were she they... behind it? Did she? Was this her rebelling? Like, I did she remember that she was brought there unwillingly, and that's why she killed him? I also don't understand the concept of when men die in the simulation, they die for real, but women don't. Oh, wait, when did that happen though? Olivia Wilde's character explained that to her after she killed Harry, after Alice killed her husband. She said, when men die in the simulation, they're dead for real. But as long as you make it out, he can't put you back in again. So they'll try to find your body in real life and kill you. Oh. So women can't die in the simulation? Or I thought it was maybe she's saying, like, you have to get out before they find your physical body. Oh. I don't know. I mean, okay, the fact that we're this confused about it just shows that there, it was not yeah. a perfect movie. Also, the fact that, like, the men leave them in the simulation all day and go out and have regular day jobs in order to pay to be in the simulation for a couple of hours. Yes, that's interesting. I also find, I wonder, though, are they are they working for Chris Pine? Is that ever answered? I don't think it's ever answered. He made it sound like he was just working a regular job in order to pay mm. to be in there. Yeah. But it would make more sense for him to work for Chris Pine. I wish they kind of would have tied that in more. It would have... They never really talk about it. And that's, no. I don't know. I think that there was like the opportunity for some really cool world building here that they just like did not do. Yeah, that was actually something I was going to bring up. I found like an article that kind of talked about the fact that like if they would have taken it more of like the Truman Show Matrix way Mm -hmm. where like you learn the premise early on and then you kind of get to see like all sides of it as it gets figured out and everything and as reality gets figured out by the character. Like the Truman Show, you know what's happening from the very beginning. Like you hear like TV executives bought a baby and raised him and you see his life and everything. And then it puts you in when he starts seeing glitches yeah. in the show. And then he's like, what is happening? And he starts realizing he's living in a TV show. Uh-huh. Um, also with The Matrix, 
similar thing you find out really early on what's going it's on a simulation and then like you're able to see the glitches happen so that's true it, it would have been better if don't worry darling would have followed that structure where like something like, almost like told you the her. rules yeah but it's almost like it jumped in too late like we find out that one of their other friends has been like talking about all this stuff and like lost her son and was out in the desert but like a long time ago uh-huh and none of them believed her and then all of a sudden like she's Florence suddenly like Hughes. worried about it yeah like why then, wasn't she worried about it last week <laughs> Yeah, and then you don't get confirmed that it's, like, actually happening and that it's not in her brain until, like, practically the very end. Yes, which made it weird. The pacing of the movie was really, really weird, but I actually personally liked the ending. I was on the edge of my seat because I wanted to know if Florence Pugh was going to be okay. Obviously, her acting, as per usual, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. She carried that whole movie on (laughs) her back. (laughs) Yes, she did. I, like, honestly, I was fine with the ending. I just wish they kind of would have sped up the chase scene a lot. It just felt like the chase scene went on forever. And I was like, are we going to... If they would have done more flashbacks, if they would have talked like how this actually happened, like how he inserted her in it while they were doing the chase scene, I feel like it could have worked more. They but needed just, like, to tell us more. Constant running. For, like <laughs> It was like, what, like 20 minutes? That's fair. I was just like, okay, we get it. She's being chased. The one theme, I mean, I know a lot of people have, I don't know, criticized it. Like this isn't really necessarily the feminist movie that they thought it was going to be. I know Olivia Wilde made a point that like this was about female pleasure and like, what the hell? Like, I think that 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 was obviously just to get people excited about having Harry Styles in there doing sex scenes, which is like gross. There's not really a word beyond it. Also, like female pleasure, like me and you were talking about, like they're there without their consent. So like any of all of this is like in a way rape because they're not there yeah like they're not there on their accord like they don't know anything that's happening to them so like how is that female pleasure like sure the sex scenes we do see it generally was like centered around you know providing pleasure to women which I do actually find interesting here's here's a random thing that connects all of them I don't really Mm -hmm. have a final point it's more of just an observation that it's obvious throughout these three movies that like a main part of this male fantasy is pleasuring their women their woman their wife you know what I mean yeah that's what they want and that's like a part of it is like getting so validated I guess from sex granted I mean in Stepford Wives like they're not actually being pleasured they're just acting like it you know in Don't Worry Darling, aside from the fact that none of it is consensual, yeah. like it seems, I guess, a little bit more. Anyways, my point is, it's so interesting how that seems to be a fantasy for men, at least in these stories. And yet it seems that in the real world, they're not willing to do the education required to know how to please their wife yeah you know where it's like if this is part of your fantasy it seems like it's part of your fantasy to please a woman just by existing and not by actually doing anything to please her you know what I mean it's like living to make your wife happy but not not doing the things that would make her happy yeah they just like want to feel appreciated and loved by like existing 
and wanting that to be enough, but like not seeing their wife or partner as an actual human being who would have their individual needs. And then, yeah. oh, I don't know, adjusting accordingly. It's it's very interesting how, like I said, like that is obviously a male fantasy, but stereotypically men don't even know where a clitoris is like that's kind of the joke you know <laughs> yeah no true it's also kind of weird too like how much more willing harry styles character was to be like giving and loving in the simulation yeah in comparison to like the glimpses of when we got in real life like she comes home she's a surgeon she comes home from a long shift to the hospital and he's like i'm starving and she's like well why didn't you make anything and he's like oh well i'm not a very good cook and I didn't know what you'd like. Yeah. Whereas in the simulation, she like falls asleep after something happens. And then like she comes out into the kitchen and he's like trying to mash potatoes with a vodka bottle and he Mm -hmm. like still won't let her cook. He's like, no, 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 sit down, relax, like drink some wine. Like I'm, I'm going to make dinner for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why, why was he so willing to be giving when it was under like I guess because it was like under his control like he knew yeah. that she'd appreciate it regardless like there's mm-hmm. no risk a theme that I did pick up on really well <laughs> and I really enjoyed in the movie is like this idea of men feeling like victims and I do think that that's kind of like what the Jordan Peterson figures and like other people like that and honestly not even just like Jordan Peterson but I Basically, the messages from what I've gathered, I haven't watched a lot of his videos, so correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but it definitely is like you are the victim of this society. You as a man are a victim. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really, in my opinion, seem to go past it. And I think that's why a lot of men will like really cling to those people such as Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson is they really, really want to feel like they are the victim and that there's nothing that can be done in Mm -hmm. our current world whereas like like you mentioned like in this real world setting they alluded to the fact that like they had money problems which like i was kind of confused about because like generally surgeons make a lot of money but maybe she's like in her residency whatever i'm sure they have a lot of student loans besides the point like he didn't have a job and what did he do he just was this emasculated victim in this situation where it's like your partner's a surgeon obviously like financially and eventually you're gonna be set up great you you apparently love this woman why are you just like watching youtube videos all day and i just think that is something that i I just i see that happening a lot with with men and the internet and i i think that they actually got that stereotype they captured that at least pretty well where he was just like I hate this world because I'm the victim of it so I'm escaping to this new one and I think that that's a very much a trend that threads through all of them is like this lack of male accountability and all of them saying I am this victim and yet none of them changing anything about what they're doing and saying maybe if I changed a couple things I would have a happier marriage maybe if I changed a couple things I would have a happier life. No, no, no. It's all the woman's fault. It's all on the woman for making their life so horrible. Definitely. Like, it's just, it's gross. <laughs> it is gross. And it's not seeing women or your partner as a person. And it's, yeah. And like seeing your partner as the means to fulfill your own needs, regardless if you're the man or the woman in the relationship, like, it's selfish. It's wrong. I, uh, that's all there is to it. Definitely. One thing that was also kind of weird, I kind of mentioned this before, like, 
trying to put the blame on Chris Pine instead of Harry, Harry Styles. Yeah. The dancing scene mm. was so close to like Pinocchio. Yeah, that was weird. It was really weird. They like really emphasized that for like five solid minutes. No. Where he's like flailing about like a puppet and then Chris Pan- Pine is yelling at him like, dance, dance. Yeah, I, I mean, granted, I feel like that scene was pretty on the nose and almost annoyingly. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I guess it just shows like the danger of gurus. One of the other things that kind of bothered me is I feel like everyone was acting like this film was going to be so feminist because it was directed by Olivia Wilde. <laughs> yeah. A, like, oh, it has a female director, so therefore it's going to be such a feminist thing and I don't think we need to explain, but like just because something's <laughs> written by or directed by a woman doesn't inherently make it feminist. And also like this kind of leans more into the drama of it all, but like the female pleasure line, of course, but then also her like really campaigning to get Shia LaBeouf back into the movie. Oh, and, like, th- oh kind of that was icky. degrading Florence Pugh and like calling her Miss Flo and saying like it'll be a wake up call for her when like Shia LaBeouf is has been a accused predator. of sexual and physical abuse. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, come back and work with my young female actress. None of this bode well for um, Miss Olivia Wilde. Obviously. No. <laughs> it's bad. And then she ends up like dating her co- Like, yeah, anyway, that's the whole drama of it all. But basically, like, just because Olivia Wilde was involved didn't mean that this movie was going to be like the next feminist film. Which is unfortunate because you would hope that it when is. women are involved in making things that they are a little bit more on the side of the women involved, but yeah. whatever. One thing I did want to mention, I feel like the premise for this film would have worked really well for a reboot of The Stepford Wives. Like yeah. the idea of it being VR is interesting. Um, I feel like it does kind of lose a few things. Like why would you have to clean your house if it's fake? <laughs> you know? True. But I guess it's just the stereotypical housewife that is the male fantasy i guess yeah, it's just like is there nothing else you can think of for your wife to do all day other than cooking but clean? it just shows that they like they don't <laughs> view the women as people they just view them as things just to serve them i guess at least they gave them ballet class i guess and um wine <laughs> yeah. and shopping like go um, drink martinis at the pool yeah so that was kind of interesting because i guess like something that the original kind of leans into is that like with the women taking care of the house all day, the men can do whatever they want. Because yes. there's zero other responsibilities. Whereas this one, like, the men aren't being able to do whatever they want. They have to, like, go and slave away in order yeah. to pay for it. So that was kind of interesting. One thing from the original script that got cut that I feel like would have been better, honestly, and a much more haunting thing, but maybe that's why they didn't do it, I don't know, is that in the original script, when she walks out of the hospital after surgery and she's going home there's a janitor in the hall and in the original script that janitor was going to be her husband in the simulation so that would have been harry styles and they didn't have a relationship and she was like unlawfully captured and being Uh, held against her will uh, and then they kind of allude to it though because when harry's setting up the simulation and they like say do you have a previous relationship with this person like chosen wife he says alice previous relationship he says yes which means there could be an answer that's no yeah which means some of the women there don't even know these men that they could literally be kidnapped yeah oh my gosh okay i feel like that's the the most annoying thing about this is like this has so much potential to be like actually a really cool movie 
Yeah, that's my biggest problem with Don't Worry Darling is like the visuals are stunning. I was just going to say it's a beautiful movie to look at. It's so pretty and they had a wonderful cast, but they just like didn't do what they could have done. Like it could have been incredible. It could have been like so, so good. It could have been everything that the 2004 Stepford Wives missed and more. You know, like it just it would have been amazing. And they just didn't they didn't capitalize on it. They didn't. They missed it. They fumbled it. They completely missed it, especially that ending. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Not I the agree. very ending, but like the leading up to the ending. Like, yeah. why was he stabbed? I don't understand. Yeah, like that was just, <laughs> okay, no answers yeah. there. Interesting creative choice, but I don't know. I love that you put this like thing in here. Like, are we headed into a feminist recession? Yes. I saw a TikTok a couple weeks ago where it just like did this, I want to say, slideshow or that's not the right word but like they put together like all of these tiktoks that they're seeing on their for you page now of being like how i healed my gut how i'm like the clean girl aesthetic like shopping hauls and and then like contrasted it with like all the magazine things that you would see in the early 2000s and basically just pointing out that like it's all the same things in a different package yeah trying to appear not anti-feminist or anti-woman but like like all the plastic surgeries and all the like things like that which like I have my personal thoughts on plastic surgery I I don't want to get into it obviously it's everyone's choice what they do with their own bodies but like you know like <laughs> we're I have a lot of problems with it like I don't know I yeah I would really want to talk to someone who's like gung-ho about plastic surgery being like an empowering thing because I cannot understand how it could possibly be empowering that's what I I recognize that like I'm on the other side of it and like I understand like in this world yeah we have beauty standards and that sucks okay cool I don't know I don't know I don't see how it's empowering but I don't want to conform to standards like right now i just watched a video there's a huge trend of buckle fat removal oh yes um it's becoming like a major thing and someone was actually talking about like how dangerous it can be because like so much of your nerves for your face are in your cheeks and by going and removing that cheek pad fat you're going to get like a really sunken in face when you're older which then a lot of people are like well why are we so afraid of aging that's like because everyone's getting plastic surgery yeah um And I've noticed like the personal effects that these trends have had on me because like a couple weeks ago I found myself like in the mirror like smiling and then like almost like putting my cheeks back you know yes Uh and in my head I'm like oh my gosh my cheeks have gotten so fat like I must have like gained weight or like what's going on with my face but then when everyone was doing like their 22 and review pictures I was going through a lot of my old pictures and then I was just like, I've looked the same this entire time, mm-hmm. but yet now I'm insecure about this. Yeah. Like I've always had like maybe like chubbier cheeks when I smile. You know, I've always mm-hmm. had an oval face, full cheeks, whatever. But like never before, besides like the last six months, have I been secure about it and like purposely pushing my face back. And so it like it made me really angry of like this was not my insecurity same like no this is really something I've noticed more recently I have a really round face I always have mm-hmm. I'm always going to my entire family does like we have baby faces and that's just how it is like yeah. that's how I look 
like people have round faces. That's just how people are. Like everyone is, it's just stupid. Like it's such a weird thing to put on people and it's everywhere right now. And it's so crazy. Also, there's like a huge trend. This might be triggering for some people, but like, like heroin chic. Yeah. Being super, super, super thin is really in right now. Celebrities are taking medication meant for other things and dropping weight like crazy and getting their bbls removed and breast reductions and everything in order to be the stick stick thin silhouettes of the early 90s (laughs) it's so sad to see and i think that like it shows like the toxic side of tiktok where i don't know this is another thing that i like noticed about tiktok where personally like i feel so much more insecure on tiktok than i ever done on instagram because like i think before the people would be like oh like you're comparing your life to people on instagram that's bad like for me it was like there was just like a couple influencers that were living like really lavishly or like were very very beautiful that i was like okay but that's not everybody you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but then when i'm on tiktok and i'm scrolling and every single person i'm seeing on my for you page is hotter than me thinner than me richer than me cool it feels like it's literally everyone you know yeah. what I mean? Like it makes it feel like this is what everyone's doing. This is what everyone looks like. And it like, I don't know, TikTok in that way has like totally sabotaged my mental health, which is like making me feel like everyone is this way and I'm not. Whereas opposed to like Instagram, I was like, yeah, I get it. Highlight reels, I mean, mainly to keep up with old friends, plus like the occasional influencer that I followed because I liked them. So yeah. I don't know. It's just it's interesting how maybe like TikTok is like playing such a crucial role, I think, in this problem. No, that's such a good point. I've also, people have talked about like how TikTok filters are making like plastic surgery look more accessible. Yeah. Because it completely alters your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like not even like going back to like the fact that like thin is in now, it's like, aha, what? Like, oh, I just, I mean, the fact that I'm even just like thinking like, oh, I wish I was as thin as them. Um, that's something I'm working on, like deconstructing yeah. in my brain of like thin is not good. I feel like, like it's not inherently good. life and it like pisses me off. I look yeah. back at like pictures of myself in high school and I'm like, I thought I was so fat. <laughs> but like as if that's the worst thing that we could be, you know, <laughs> which no. I just feel like we're losing a lot of that like body positivity and everything that was happening. And that's annoying. There's also like the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. The COVID pandemic that like more women lost jobs, um, got pushed back in their careers than men like dramatically sexual harassment cases have gone up but there's me too backlash like the whole amber heard oh my gosh yeah um people there's actual went after that woman and it wasn't fair no and i'm not even here to like make a statement on like was she right who was right or wrong the backlash was insane like the public mockery yeah constantly like what it was disgusting like it was absolutely disgusting like support yeah. all women unless you like the man that is be- I don't know uh. also like feminism has kind of become like chuggy or like cringy yeah um, <laughs> a lot of people are just saying that's like apparently a New York Times article they did a survey they asked a bunch of people whether or not they agreed with the statement that feminism has done more harm than good and <gasps> most people agreed 
<laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's just forget the 19th Amendment. Let's forget the fact that we can actually vote and own property well, and everything Well, that's what else. I was just going to say. Like, like you what might do you not mean? like feminism right now, but like, look at history. Just, yeah. Like, there is a net good, at least, you know? I know. I it's like, are you so. kidding me? <laughs> like, ah. And not it, to say it was perfect. Like, yeah, we can talk about, like, and we do talk about in our episode about yeah. this like there's lots of problematic things happening in each wave like we got a lot of work to do but Definitely. i have a feeling that those people saying that it's done more harm than good are like not like are not thinking like that you know definitely not there's a really really great video by the take on youtube called the death of feminism mm. um highly recommend but something that they also brought up is what they think kind of the main turning point for all of it was is this like thing so girl power, when it was first used, we <laughs> talked about this in our Riot Girl episode, it was like controversial and like radical and like girl power was something that was just like so, I don't know, like counterculture. Yeah. And then the Spice Girls started using it and it turned into this mainstream phrase. And that wasn't a bad thing. Like women embraced it and meant like female friendships and femininity and but then it kind of turned into this weird like cringy thing where like it was consumerism and like they were selling the concept of like girl power and kind of the same thing happened with like a girl boss. <laughs> yeah. And like women were only allowed to advance if like for their own personal advancement and it like left a lot of people behind. It didn't create systematic change. And then it led to like a lot of figureheads that ended up falling really flat, like Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like Hillary Clinton, like people in general are never going to live up to the aspirational like things we put on them, like True. people. And so there was all these like figureheads of feminism that like they're going to fail you. Like, but also like, <laughs> let's I mean, obviously, like what about all the men who have failed us? But yet somehow yeah. women are put on this like different standard of being than the men are, which whatever. Uh-huh. definitely it also like turned all women into powerful symbols regardless of what they did or believed in like i said you can't believe that the movie is going to be feminist just because it has a female director yeah same thing the company is not going to like inherently have a better gender like pay structure and everything just because the ceo is a girl <laughs> yes and it doesn't work like that like that's stupid to think of it that way and so like there's just there's also like no direction but it brought up some cool things that's happening. Like Olivia Rodrigo, she sang with Lily Allen the song like F You yeah. and dedicated it to the Supreme Court, which is a really political statement that stars in the past would never have dared to say. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then also this was really cool and I didn't know that this happened. I'm sad that they didn't talk about it more. But like Kansas women actually crossed party lines and banded together to make sure that abortion stayed legal in their state. And that included 90-year-old Republican women voting for Repu- for abortion to stay legal, which is amazing. And then they kind of also ended the video talking about how, like, there's something cringeworthy about feminism even needing to be hip. And I agree. It doesn't yeah. have to be trendy. Like, there's yeah. nothing about this. Like, human rights, like, really, we need that to be cool. We need it to be in in order to be a part of it. That's true. I mean... I actually honestly did not like ever consciously have the thought of like, oh, feminism is chuggy, which uh, uh, I hate even that I'm saying <laughs> I that. I hate that word. I feel like that makes, <laughs> nothing makes me sound like a millennial more, which is not <laughs> bad to be a millennial, blah, blah, blah. I know. It just makes me feel like a, a boring human being to say yeah, the word chuggy. But I agree. 
it kind of it's become that and like anything that's like girl boss girl power like yeah it wasn't used correctly I'm not here to say that the feminism track record is spotless obviously it is not but I mean what is the point for it at at the root of what it is that's it (laughs) it's net good in my opinion so yeah it's not a trend shouldn't be a trend yeah it shouldn't and i love that they said it like it shouldn't stay palatable like it shouldn't be something that like everyone's like happy about necessarily because then it's not like actually doing anything another example of this okay i'm like we this episode's long we gotta wrap up like this. <laughs> but another example of this is like the the trend of like the stay-at-home girlfriend yes like that's almost like something aspirational which like granted i would love to not be able to work so like i'm sympathetic to that but you say that but you wouldn't actually say that you would just invent more work for yourself that's well that's what we've talked about you want to be able to work on what you want to work on if i didn't work that's that would mean that this podcast is getting tons of more promotion that means (laughs) daisy is no longer on the background of my life like i would i would still be working actively but it's so interesting how like that's something that's almost like been romanticized of like being the stay-at-home girlfriend of just like in some in some ways they've almost been like using the guise of feminism of like no it is feminist because I'm choosing this but it's like just because you're a woman making a choice doesn't mean it's inherently feminist you know no. yeah um, and it, I've seen things that talks about how that leaves demographics where that will never be possible completely behind Yes. And like, also, yeah, like if you are just the girlfriend, like he can just dump you one day and then you have nothing like mm-hmm. you are putting so much on a man who doesn't actually owe anything to you. Like it's like a marriage where it's like you have to get, you know, if you are at stays, if you are his stay at home wife for years, like you generally do get some compensation for that because, you know, you were the one just taking care of him while he was working. Yeah. Like you would rightfully get compensation. But I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of just like really weird little niche trends that I'm seeing pop up all over my TikTok that some people are criticizing. But like most of the comments that I'm seeing, like it's not being criticized enough. And a lot of times it's like, oh, because I'm a woman making this choice, it's feminism where it's like, no, 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 no. No, which I think that's like maybe like the dangerous thing that's happening right now. It's like feminism has become almost like too mainstream. Yeah. That these very, very like harmful things that are happening to women because they're choosing them is almost like seeping its way into culture when it's like, no, no, that's not yeah. inherently feministic. I think feministic it like kind of just leans back to what the original definition of feminism even is and like what it's supposed to be. It's equality for everyone, regardless of gender, race, religion, sex, like anything. Like we're just supposed to be able to have the same opportunities to be able to make decisions and like live our lives in a very good, equal way. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of these things are leaving behind women of color once again. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I even feel so silly as, like, me and my, like, privileged where I have, like, speaking mm-hmm. about this so much because it's like, well, I mean, like, I'm fine. But, you know, you're right. Like, that doesn't yeah. even touch on, like, how this is actually affecting much more, you know, marginalized Yeah. definitely i mean like we're not perfect we know that we're two white women sitting in apartments that we rent and yeah yeah i'll be (laughs) somewhere call me out (laughs) so i don't know i feel like the whole reason we wanted to do this episode like was just 
the fact that like the trends of feminism and how it reflects in like our literature and our movies and specifically it's, this it was narrative. very cool to see and like I almost wish I would have done it all in order but it is so interesting to like see like these very very similar stories te- told just like really like two three decades apart and just how much that changed and like what they focused on and yeah it was very cool to see that yeah I actually think I did it in order other than I watched the movie before I read the book okay but like it was pretty close yeah Yeah. it was pretty close and it was it was interesting also just like the technology element was super interesting but I have found myself like wanting a remake of the Stepford Wives now because if don't worry darling supposedly wasn't based on the Stepford Wives at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. I, um, okay. Then I think we should get a remake of it. And I think that they could actually do it justice. And I think that that would be really incredible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I will say that I did actually, something that I thought was interesting is how much although it was all very different, but how much was the same throughout it, you know? And like the 1970s book, like even just like her thoughts, I felt like still mirrored thoughts that, you know, women would be having even 50 years later. So So I think that that's like maybe why it's such a good story is because a lot of the anxieties and everything are, you know, unfortunately more universal it's not pertinent to like one time period or anything like that so yeah that was honestly one of the most horrifying things about that movie and book the original ones is how much i still related to everything yeah like it's completely believable that men nowadays would want to replace their wives with a high functioning android (laughs) well and i think that like that was always something that before i found Jordan is like that was something that was legitimately a concern for me it's like am I gonna get married and be with someone who actually doesn't take what I want seriously so therefore like me getting married is like the death sentence of my dreams and aspirations and like as a creative person who is like not yet where I want to be as far as like a potential career goes like that's a big fear of mine for having children yeah like I don't want that to mean it's over and Thankfully, I I was able to find a partner who is like very enthusiastic about the things that I'm doing and like wants to support me in them. But like, you're so right. Like, they're the same fears that I have. And yeah. And was such a big dating really hard. Yeah. (laughs) And unfortunately, like, it feels rare. Like it said before I met Jordan, I don't feel like any of the men I was with was actually taking what I wanted to do seriously because they were just like, oh, well, you're just going to have kids and be my wife you know and and yeah. that was my function in their eyes and I, I that's at least what I felt maybe if they're listening to this podcast they're pissed at me for saying that but like hmm, let's evaluate why I felt that way before you start pointing fingers not that oh. I think any of my ex-boyfriends listen to this podcast <laughs> that was your progress <laughs> that no, would like actually I've even been on dates where people would be like oh what books are you reading and I'll be like oh like I actually read this book about this and it talks about this and they'll be like oh ew it's so and it's gross. like why wouldn't you ever read anything like that and they're like well i'm just not interested in it it's like you're not interested in the rights of women like half of the population like okay but it's not like we're even reading like overtly feminist literature like 
The yeah. Separate Wives is a horror novel written by a man. <laughs> like, yeah, if anything literally. should be approachable, that should be it. And like the feminine um, mystique has been torn apart by modern feminism. Like, you know, has its like problematic things that it's like, it was written 50, 70 years ago. Honestly, like that book is so relatable if you grew up in like a very conservative religious area yeah i feel like everyone needs to read it if they had that experience we'll talk about that book more we love that book yeah but i yeah we we will talk about that book more because we are literally reading it in march besides its issues yeah it definitely rang true for someone who grew up in a very specific kind of community so yeah practically every other paragraph was like slapping me in the face so (laughs) yeah oh yeah i read that book like five years ago and i that was a life-changing book i'm not gonna lie which and i was so surprised that something that was written literally in the 60s could be so relevant to what i was feeling but that's how i felt about the stepford wives as well like Mm -hmm. highly recommend i guess that's the ending of all this like summed up is like go read that book it's only 120 pages yeah i read it so quickly and it's great. I feel like it's incredible. It's on all the lists of like early feminist literature to read. And if you want to watch the 1975 movie, we will be having a watch party this week and watching it. Hopefully we can find it. I'm trying to remember what it was available on. It was on Tubi. Right. Which I think is free. Yeah, I downloaded it for free this Cool. Week. So that means regardless of what subscriptions you have or don't have, like you'll be able to join us as long as you have a rave account. So come follow on Instagram because we're going to watch that. And I feel like everyone should watch it with us. I think so too. Or you'll see our updates via social media at the very least. That was a long episode of a lot of tangents and musings. But um, man, I've just been waiting to talk about this with you and have like held off on texting you any thoughts that I've had I as know. I've been watching them. So glad we could find yeah. this discussion. I mean, we did span a long period of time and a lot of media. Yes, so I guess it's fair that it was really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, join us next week. I will be talking about my artist pick for the month of January, which is a cool it's a dancer um i guess i maybe shouldn't give away what it's all about that's okay it's a dancer it's a dancer so come learn about isadora duncan and yeah have a wonderful week have a great week everyone we'll see you next monday bye Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. 
Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.